so and the most powerful medicine. I really, I tell everybody, you know, it, it's health starts in your kitchen. That's where that's you're going to be your pharmacy. You have control over, uh, you know, what you put in your food, how you prepare it, how you nourish your body. So it, it's definitely been an amazing journey. And what I have seen um, with food, the transformations just with food and lifestyle, I have never seen with any medications. This is the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast, and I'm your host, Maya Acosta. If you're willing to go with me, together we can discover how simple lifestyle choices can help improve our quality of life. Let's get started. Today's guest, Dr. Evelise Capo, will share with us her story of transitioning from a doctor of pharmacy to studying culinary medicine, becoming a Food for Life instructor for the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, and also becoming an executive director of Spanish programs and culinary content for the T. Colin Campbell's Center for Nutrition Studies. I actually saw Dr. Evelise Capo for the first time during one of those Spanish classes that was sponsored by PCRM. My mom signed up for that, and my mom said she finally understood what was being said because it was in Spanish. So I enjoyed having Dr. Capo on the show so much. And so since we talked about PCRM, I want to let you know about the next series of classes that are available online where you'll learn about recipes and how to do groceries and basically how to add healthy foods into your lifestyle. Simply go to pcrm.org forward slash diabetes class. Now they have started June 14th, but it's an eight week series. So you still have time to sign up and Dr. Riss and I will be part of that class. As always, the full bio and the links for each of my guests can be found on the podcast website, HealthyLifestyleSolutions.org. And thank you for listening. Hi, Maya. Ah, thank you for the invitation. I'm so excited to be here with you. I'm so honored to have you here. And I've actually spoken about you in previous episodes. So I want to kind of give you a little bit of a background. Um, my mother uh, in 2020, when PCRM and I want to say other people collaborated to have the Mas Plantas Mas Salud. When that program was offered that same year, right before the pandemic, I had uh, flown my mother to D.C. to do one of the two-day immersion programs that the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine offers because she's been living with diabetes for many years. So that was kind of an introduction for my mom to kind of have an experience of what it's like to go plant-based. But when the Spanish component of it was offered in 2020, um, she lives in Arizona. I live in Texas. So I signed her up and I said, let's both log in and let's both watch. And I'm telling you, Dr. Capo, that did it for her. That did it for her because it was in Spanish. And so this is why it's so important for me that you're here today to talk to us about who you are what programs you're involved in, but also that you're bilingual. And I know that you're very, very active in several of the uh, Facebook groups. So long story short, um, thank you for all the work that you're doing. Absolutely. Thank you. You know, I, I think that from the early, um, from the beginning of my journey in culinary medicine and um, teaching the community, it was very important to me that we really reach our Spanish-speaking communities throughout the U.S. and internationally because um, there are a lot of resources um, for English speakers, but it's has changed. We have we have some now, but not quite what we need to be. So that has always been very very close to my heart. 
Yes, I can definitely tell that you're very passionate and you're very involved. I think you're also involved with some of the translations that are happening in the Center for Nutrition Studies um, website. Okay, so let's um, just for people that may not be familiar with who you are, please tell us where you're from. I know that now you live in Florida, which by the way, I just came back from Florida. So, um, oh, did you? What part? <laughs> um, uh, very close to Vero Beach, just north oh, okay. of Palm Beach. We have a sailboat there, my husband and I. Oh, and nice. It's like our second home. So when we get away from Dallas, we go there to Florida. Sometimes we do sell our boat. Um, but uh, I just, we just came back like a week ago, maybe over the weekend. And it's just been like, uh, I miss that. <laughs> I love it. You're so lucky. So tell us where you're from and where you are today. So I was born and raised in uh, Puerto Rico. And uh, I actually left when I was 18 to go to college at Purdue University. And uh, I started in the field of science and engineering. And um, that, you know, that wasn't, I quickly learned that that wasn't my thing. That wasn't my passion. So um, I then pursued a doctorate in, in pharmacy. And um, I've been living in the U.S. I, we moved from Indiana to Maryland, lived in Pennsylvania for seven years. And and then we landed um, in Sarasota, Florida, and really love it here. We have a great community, and we're close to uh, the Miami airport. We travel to all the different um, Spanish-speaking <laughs> communities and kind of have done a lot of networking and, and um, just exploring. So very, very happy to be here. Um, I go back to um, my beautiful island quite often and I stay very much connected with the plant-based movement in Puerto Rico as well. You probably hear this a lot, but some people always say, you know, we love Puerto Rico. I can't say that I have enough exposure, but it was on our list to put our sailboat in Puerto Rico. Our goal was just to fly out there and sail around the mm -hmm. island and enjoy and, and the beauty and the people because it's really the culture, isn't it? It is. It is. And, you know, it's like, um, it's a special, we have a, a lot of unique things in the island and, uh, and charm. And uh, it's, it's such a gift to be able to share it with everybody that comes and visits our island. <laughs> so I'm curious, how did you choose pharmacy? How did you know that was for you? And then how long did you practice? Or are you still sort of practicing that? I, I still hold my license. I hold it active. I've been a pharmacist now for 20 years. And um, I did practice it full time for about uh, five, well, six years. And then I kept practicing part time when I started my culinary medicine practice and I got certified as a food for life instructor. I did kind of half and half. I did that for a while. But then it got to be really hard for me to stay in the current system. And just, uh, I felt like, it wasn't in alignment with my ethical um, beliefs and I, I wasn't really helping my patients uh, where behind the counter teaching classes and really pursuing culinary medicine, I was seeing enormous changes in their lives and their health. And so that really uh, pushed me to pursue it a hundred percent of the time. And what really, uh, called me um, to, to go into pharmacy was that I've, um, I'm a mom. I'm a mom. Uh, back then, I only had one, son, one child. I had my son and then we had three girls. And I always knew that I wanted to make that a priority. And so I loved science. And I felt like, you know, this is a good career for a mom because I could always go part-time if I needed that. And I felt like I always wanted to 
collaborate with the medical system. And we were told, you know, as pharmacists, we were going to be right there working with the different physicians and nurses and optimizing um, medical care and pharmacotherapy for for the patient. So I felt like that was a great role. You know, it had all, everything that I liked. Um, but, uh, and I loved the, the school and, and the whole curriculum. But once I actually got to practice, it was a different world than what I had imagined. And back then I was not plant-based or vegan. And around that time when I, when I started changing, um, it really it made me open my eyes as to what I was doing in my professional life. And those needed to align. And so that's why the shift and, and I love it. I I really, I don't regret it. I wish I would have done it earlier. (laughs) I bet. Now, are there different, are pharmacists located in different areas? Usually when we think of a pharmacist, we think of them in a uh, clinical, well, I say clinical, but actually in a pharmacy. In a pharmacy, in like a community pharmacy, more in the community setting. Yeah, that's. That's what most people think, but there's it's actually tons of different options and, and settings. My experience was mostly, cl- mostly clinical and hospital pharmacy, as well as long-term care pharmacy. Um, when you do rotations, you get to experience a little bit about all the different fields. And, um, and, and that was you know what really called me at the time. Um, I like the community setting, but not in like a traditional community pharmacy, but we had, I worked in a clinic for a while and really got to connect with the patients there because it was a free clinic and you could really, you know, talk to people that, um, were, uh, in need of help and they didn't have healthcare and things like that. Okay. And forgive me if I ask you these questions too, because obviously I don't know too many pharmacists and exactly the training, but what is the difference, I guess, between a Mm -hmm. pharmacist and an MD? Um, so we, as pharmacists, we, as doctors of pharmacy, we can't prescribe for the most part. There are certain states where you can prescribe certain medications, but for the most part, we're not prescribing. We're actually, um, so we're dispensing the medications or we are suggesting, uh, you know, what the proper pharmacotherapy is. So the doctor, you know, may have questions about the medications and we, we answer them. We also help monitor adverse drug reactions, contraindications, um, correct dosing, uh, things like that. And obviously there's, when you practice in a hospital, you know, there's also the IVs that you have to prepare. Um, There's specialty pharmacy also for um, compounding, you know, putting together these medications from scratch, as well as more IV therapy or cancer, you know, oncology. So there, there's different things that you can do. Uh, you can also be a consultant pharmacist where you travel usually to uh, long-term care facilities and, and do you, uh, evaluations of the regimens and, and things like that. You can also be a certified diabetes educator and work with diabetes patients, which is something that I've always loved to do. And I work in the setting. I have a lot of colleagues that that work uh, in that field. So when I go, just one last question about that. So when I go to my nearest, say, CVS, and I'm picking up a prescription, that individual who tells me uh, you should take this medication with food, or like you said, there might be adverse effects if you mix the medication with something else, most likely that individual is a doctor of pharmacy? Uh, At this point in time, yes, it has been a requirement that... um, all of, ever since I think it was 2000, uh, let's see, 98, um, 98, 99, I think it's when it began, began to be mandatory before there was, um, 
uh, a bachelor of science that you could pursue. Um, but now all of the pharmacists do have to have the doctorate of pharmacy degree. Although there are still some out there, um, like older pharmacists that, that do, do not have the doctorate, but for the most part now, most of them do. Wow. I just, you know, I'm fascinated by the fact that you transitioned over to using food, to prescribing food yes. as opposed to pills. What a difference you must have experienced when it's like you wake up to this reality. So, and the most powerful medicine. I really, I tell everybody, you know, it, it's health starts in your kitchen. That's where that's you're going to be your pharmacy. You have control over, uh, you know, what you put in your food, how you prepare it, how you nourish your body. So it's definitely been an amazing journey. And what I have seen um, with food, the transformations just with food and lifestyle, I have never seen with any medications. Exactly. And you know, I so my husband is a physician and he has this testing kit here at home. Um, and I started to notice during the pandemic that my cholesterol was going up. And so I got real aggressive with it. Actually, I was shocked because I'm an ethical vegan. Processed foods still can contribute to uh, cholesterol. So I did my research and I said, okay, what am I eating that's causing this? So I got really aggressive and I asked my husband to test me every two weeks and I started to see the numbers come down and I could not believe it. Like when we think of the medication that's prescribed just to reduce cholesterol, here I am, I'm using food. So and that's I, an excellent point because you said it yourself, you're an ethical vegan. And I think a lot of ethical vegans fall into that trap. Um, I was having this conversation with a, a patient yesterday when she said she's a cancer patient and she was saying, you know, how, um, just helpless she felt because in the room where she was getting her chemo, there were other vegans and plant-based uh, patients. And so it's, I think it's an important distinction. Obviously diet and lifestyle is not a guarantee for anything. You know, it, it's not going to be the magic pill. However, um, we really have to differentiate because a vegan diet strictly means what you're not eating, right? Animal products, but a lot of vegans do consume a lot of processed foods, a lot of oils, um, sugar, salt. And so that can lead to a very unhealthy lifestyle. So what I like to call myself is a whole food plant-based vegan, because I am also vegan for the ethics, but I want to make sure that I keep myself healthy so that I can pursue that mission. I think that's also very important. Right. That's the best way that we can convince others to to join, <laughs> to join the movement. Uh, so yes. let's talk a little bit about you've already said that you discovered that food. Uh, well, two things that you became aware of. One was you're basically seeing the illness is not really being improved through medication. Uh, you know, that your your patients were progressively getting worse anyway. And then and then you realize that food had that power uh, to reverse disease. So how did that come about? Was there a book you read, a documentary you saw, or who told you about the plant-based diet? Um, well, initially, I actually had a, another pharmacist who was my preceptor when I was finishing a pharmacy she kind of planted a seed um, about food and organic foods and their connection with, with our health. And after that, I, when I was pregnant with my second child, my daughter, I actually got very ill uh, after eating. I, got, I actually had food poisoning with uh, turkey, and that scared me quite a bit, um, especially when I was two months pregnant. And I started to do a lot of reading and research and I found um, 
the a physicians committee for responsible medicine uh, as i was digging on the internet and they ha- they're a wealth of information so i started watching their videos bought their books and i was like wow this is this is it like this is what i've been really searching for because i always i had been in this journey i stopped eating red meat and then um white meat. I also had a scare with cervical cancer after my son. So I had already started to um, gradually change my diet, but it wasn't until I found PCRM that I truly understood the science and the evidence-based information that was out there. And I wanted to be a part of it. It was, it was like a switch went on. And then it, it was crazy because back then my husband wasn't on board and so it took, you know, it took us a while to, to kind of get him to understand that he's also a, a scientist. So for him to understand the data and to really embrace it. So for a while there I was cooking, you know, two meals and, and, and trying to figure out where I was heading. And um, as many people, I also started with, the, you know, the processed foods, the transitional foods, because I didn't know any better. And it's been a journey and obviously then it wasn't overnight, but after a few years of doing that, we really understood that you really have to clean up your plate and make everybody count. And so that's when I really felt a big change um, in our bodies and, and how we felt our energy and, and then, you know, within the community, because after I felt it myself, I felt like I really want to share this with my patients. I want to share this with my community. And I, I applied to become a Food for Life instructor. And I also started my practice at, uh, as the food pharmacy to be able to hold programs in Spanish because back then we didn't have all the tools that we have today and, uh, and all the programs that we have in PCRM. So I started teaching anybody that would listen. I would carry my, you know, my cart with the food and the, my my. Um, my big bins of uh, utensils and cookware and my kids, my girls, you know, we, it was a family project. My husband would come to the classes with me because back then, you know, I I had given birth to our fourth baby and we were, I was teaching and he was helping me clean up the dishes. The girls were talking to people. So it was a lot of fun. There are many families that are like that kind of mixed where the main, sometimes it's the main person that cooks in the home that's already gone plant-based and everybody else is sort of just resisting it. Do you have sort of a message about that and based on your experience? Yeah, and obviously every situation is different. Um, uh, the, the, the relationship and the chemistry and how you guys um, embrace things. And I think you have to be very patient. It, it has to come from a place of love and compassion with, with yourself and with your family because we didn't grow up knowing this, right? So we have to sort of like let go of all those preconceptions that we had about food and about our customs and cultures and celebrations. And you have to relearn how to do all those things. And for some people, it's tough, that mental connection that we have um, or psychological connection we have with food. So with us, when I first started doing this, because I was trying to learn as I went, I you know, I just kept uh, reading and introducing these things. And I was cooking at home for uh, you know two things. And then I'm, I couldn't do it anymore. It was just too time consuming. And I didn't want to be touching the meat and all that stuff. And I, t- I said, if you want it, you know, you can cook that. I will cook plant-based. I will cook vegan. And then you can add to that whatever you want. But 
he was busy. So he would just be eating whatever I was eating. And our son at the time, you know, he, he started to eat it and enjoy it as well. And, and then he started buying all these cookbooks, giving me new ideas. I'm like, oh, he must be liking what we're putting together. But even when we went out to eat, then he would choose like more traditional fare and, and meat and things. So we had this conversation about that. And he didn't want to, um, if we went to visit somebody, he didn't want to make them feel bad that he wasn't eating the food. And we talked about it and I said, you know, it's a shame because what good is it going to be to me? I'm going to be all healthy and I'm going to be taking care of you because you don't want to make some compromises and really clean up your diet. And so I said to him, we were going back home for the holidays. And I said, you know, for Christmas, all I want is for you to do this 100% for the 30 days we were going to be away for a month. So just do this for 30 days. And I promise you, when we come back, you can do whatever you want. I just want you to really feel how amazing it feels when you're clean and you're eating plant-based. And so he did it. And when we came back, he was like, wow, this is, is great. He wasn't feeling inflammation and, 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 you know, the joint inflammation and he wasn't getting sinusitis every week, every month. And, and then there was a PCRM gala that he wanted to come with me. And that was it. That sealed the deal. We, we listened to all the experts and, and, uh, the physicians and the nurses have been doing this for with his, with their patients and sharing the data. And my husband was sitting there. I kept looking at him and he was like nodding, you know, like he was really into it. After that, it was, it was like a new phase in our lives because I wasn't, no longer was I the one carrying all that burden. Like it was shared and we continued the journey together. And he's more of an activist now <laughs> than I am. Like he's, super into like he has the sea shepherd shirts and you know he's very he's an environmentalist as well so when he really got that connection with the environment then he just wanted to share it as well so it was like we we got married all over again <laughs> it is true it's like this the, i feel like the spiritual component kicks in mm -hmm. where you just you feel so connected to life to the planet yes to the animals. Beautiful. I, it's, it's so beautiful. Um, it, it, and there was a time when I also reached that point because my, my husband has two girls and they were younger. And as we know, many children have a hard time making the transition when mm -hmm. they've been raised a certain way. But I, I put my foot down in a not very <laughs> bad way. And I said, that's it. This is yeah. the date when I will no longer bring in any more animal products. And what's beautiful about it today, Dr. Couple, about how we've been very consistent with how people see us with our lifestyle and, and the role models that we've been, his girls will sometimes come over They're They, they're almost done with college. One of them is almost out. And so they now come and they tell us, Oh, there's a vegan place here, or there's this, or you can eat this over there. So they're, instead of fighting it, they're inviting us when they invite us out to dinner or something that they always think of what we could eat as well. So I just, Beautiful. Love it. Even though, yeah, even though they themselves have not made the complete transition, but that's, um, you know, being patient with people, I guess that's the key to. Yeah, everybody's on their own journey. And if you try to force it, or if you try to make people feel bad about it, sometimes they build a wall and they don't listen anymore. So I find um, our friends that have embraced this, our relatives, it has been because we do share the information when they ask, we do share the information, but we just act as role models. And 
the sometimes the, the people that you least think they're going to be doing it, yeah. they call you up and say, hey, I loved it. You know, I want to learn more. And so it, it has been such a huge gift. Most of the most of our friends and family, uh, especially my family, have embraced the plant-based lifestyle. Oh, that's wonderful. So you mentioned it sort of starting off with the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, which is one of my favorite organizations as well. Um, I've learned of so many people that are part of it or contributors or somehow involved with the organization, and we want to support uh, PCRM as much as we can. So how was that transition when it comes to um, your work? How did it? How did you transition from being a pharmacist to then prescribing foods and then partnering with PCRM and CNS and all the things that you're doing today? So initially, I, I started doing it part time because I needed, I still needed to pay my bills, and I wasn't sure how the classes were gonna run and how many I was gonna have. Um, but very quickly, I started having uh, waiting lists for my classes. So I started to teach in the community and then also um, corporate wellness uh, within like the school board and other groups. And they soon got really interested, and they were keeping me so busy. Uh, running all over the place, teaching the classes that I slowly started to cut back on my pharmacy, uh, traditional pharmacy hours. Um, but I still use it because I, I have private clients that I that I help uh, through this journey. And so I use my pharmacy, pharmacy licenses, you know, to be uh, sort of to help them throughout with their medical and um, uh, pharmacological uh, therapies. But um, that that really was the key, just being able to get out there, network with uh, people that are interested in um, bringing this to their either their employees or their communities, and then also having classes for the for anybody like in in a health food store or at Whole Foods back when Whole Foods uh, had that availability. I don't think that they do that anymore. Um, and then in 2015, 2013, I took the plant-based nutrition certificate uh, from the Tickle and Campbell Center for Nutrition Studies. I was really excited to see um, uh, the groups, the organization start and, and be able to take this uh, course and I became part of the team 2015 and did that, you know, pretty much a half a part-time teaching, being an instructor for CNS and then uh, doing the Food for Life. So 2013, you took the eCornell course, which I want to add, I've taken as well. And at first I, and this was, I don't know, 2018. And I said to myself, what am I going to do with this information? But <laughs> if anything, it's uh, great information, excellent course to really be able to understand why going plant-based is important for our health and how we're helping the animals and the planet. So I just want to add, it's an excellent course. And then you joined the team uh, in 2015. Did you see a need at the time that, whoa, there, this information is not as available in Spanish? Uh, I did. I did. And, and being a, an instructor, I was able to connect with students from all over the world and also Spanish speaking uh, communities. So I, you know, I uh, talked to my coworkers and I really, you know, need to, to have this information in Spanish. And we, people were asking about the certificate in Spanish. And so we started that project to translate, you know, quite a bit of content, recipes and articles. And we have uh, a team of translators from 
uh, Colombia and Venezuela and um, myself. And so we've been working at that and we are pretty much caught up at the moment, close to being caught up as we always, we're always publishing new content. And then last year we started the project of, uh, started to plan the uh, plant-based nutrition certificate in Spanish. So that's going to be coming out this year. Uh, we're actually capturing the videos and it's not going to be just subtitles of the old content um, or the, I shouldn't say, oh, because we just uploaded or um, uh, we just uh, revamped our current certificate and have an updated certificate, but it's not just putting subtitles over the English, the content in English. It's actually new content created with our physicians, our scientists, our dietitians that speak Spanish and that represent various communities. That's what I was so. going to say. That that would be even more appealing. That's why it works. When I originally said to you that while my mother had attended the immersion program with me in D.C., she, what did it was the Spanish version of it. So right. seeing, you know, everyone. And at the time I saw when you were cooking with your daughter and, um, and, you know, I was just like, that was the first time I learned about you. So yes, tell us more. I think I interrupted you. No, no worries. So, so yeah. So that's when um, I, I just found my two tribes. I was like, wow, I have PCRM on this end with all these great um, practical uh, tools and really reaching communities, teaching the Food for Life classes. And then I have the science-based nutrition certificate and all of the other initiatives that CNS has been working on because they have an amazing program um, for community outreach, uh, whole communities, which is a membership program, and also a cooking component, CNS in the kitchen, where we have uh, wellness challenges and, and a variety of, of other um great uh, ways to stay connected with your community and to really feel supported. So I think that's one of the things that I felt early on um, as a mom as well. I, I wanted to make sure that I uh, raised my kids uh, with the best nutrition and that also that they felt as part of a community. So I was reaching out to uh, other plant-based families and connecting with them. I wanted to make new friends and for them to also have friends that ate very closely, you know, the same way. Um, so I think people, uh, what, you know, whatever age and whatever situation they're, they're in, they want to feel connection. And even if it's not within your own community, just being able to online, you know, have that connection and talk about your, what things work for you, what your challenges are. That's super important. Absolutely. There was a, um, when we were talking about community, there was a listener who sent me a message out of nowhere, like it was very unexpected for me, where she was thanking me for this platform of having a podcast and said that she could identify with me as a Latina, that we come from this background of believing certain things, um, that, you know, diseases are genetic, or there's nothing we can do to prevent diabetes, like these things are going to happen. And she said, uh, you've given me a different perspective. And I thought, oh, like, 
I wasn't even at the moment thinking about the Latinx or Hispanic mm -hmm. uh, community. I I'm just always thinking, get the information out to whoever wants to listen. Um, and that impacted me so much, that message that this is why I wanted to have you. And I asked Katia to come back and some other people oh, wonderful. Yeah, that are contributors, because I, I want you to know that you're so valuable to people. Like they need your experience as a doctor of pharmacy, as a food for life instructor, as a translator of all this content, they really need to hear from you. Um, so anyway, I just want to throw that yes. in because you were talking about community. Yeah. Thank you. And Katia has always, has always been, uh, you know, such a great friend and collaborator. She, she also works with us in CNS, helping us translate recipes and uh, uh, different webinars and conferences as well as at PCRM. So there, there's a lot of cross-pollination there. A lot of our board members are also involved with PCRM. <laughs> so it's great. It's, it's like we're all family and uh, we want to support each other's initiatives and, and work. Um, but you're also a diplomat of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. So I emphasize ACLM all the time on my show. Tell us a little bit about your involvement. Um, so you became board certified as well. And um, when did you start to realize how important it was to have all these other lifestyle modifications, not just food, but all the other mm -hmm. components of a, uh, lifestyle medicine? That's a great question. And I have to say, I was guilty of really putting a lot of um, importance in the food that I was eating and the exercise. I've been pretty good at both of those, but I was really sacrificing my sleep and my stress level was like up the roof because I'm trying to be like super mom and super lady and super everything else. And so, um, you know, as as I was connecting with other healthcare providers and I, I started to attend contrition uh, project conferences and lifestyle medicine conferences for ACLM, I started to hear the presenters and learn from their conferences the importance. Because I always felt like, oh, I can sleep later. I would stay up and be like, you know, I'll make it up at some point. You know, I, I didn't really put that much importance. But no, it's it it's huge. Like really thinking about all of these pillars, you know, they hold the table. So if if you're missing out on, on that, that's really going to impact your food choices. It's going to impact how you, how your body just metabolizes the food, a lot of other things. And, and, and it's the same with stress. So when that connection, you know, started just to gradually organically happen throughout my, I've always been wanting to learn more and any certificate or any, any training that I, that I really value. I always want to make sure that I, I get that at some point because uh, it's, it's always changing. Nutrition science is always changing. And so is lifestyle medicine uh, always evolving. And so I took the exam last year and super excited to, to be part of the, um, of, of the group of graduates and, and all of the information that they provide. So you always keep up to date. I mean, even in things such as uh, probiotics, for instance, which there's still physicians that are prescribing them and are promoting them uh, to their patients. And we just heard last year through one of their conferences, the top leading gastroenterologist saying that they should not be recommended in every case 
actually very few cases would benefit from probiotics. So these things you you wouldn't know if you weren't keeping abreast of all the changes and all, you know, with the, the evidence-based information we have available. That's um, that's trustworthy because a lot of times we hear information from what the pharmaceutical companies want us to know or the uh, even more <laughs> the wealthier um, supplement industry. And so it's important to, to keep that information available. So now I know you have so much on your plate. Uh, so I, I was wondering, first of all, do you have any programs that are available online for anyone who is interested? And also, do you have events that are coming up? Will you be at the ACLM conference this year? Great question. And um, uh, by the time this this gets to the public, uh, I'm sure we might have other things, but I can tell you, we constantly have uh, conferences, uh, webinars at the T. Colin Campbell Center for Nutrition Studies. Uh, we have scan- webinars in Spanish every two weeks. We actually are about to host uh, our annual uh, Enrique Cito Plato conference in Spanish, which will be this weekend, but it'll be available after um, as well. If people want to purchase tickets and watch it after the fact. And um, and PCRM has their ICNM also this year coming up. So I, I try to participate in, in uh, all of these conferences whenever time allows. Sometimes, I don't know, I get invited. I was invited to um, speak uh, in for a plant-based group in Utah in the fall. So it looks like I'll be, I'll be going there. Yeah, so I would say visit our websites and, uh, and check out you know, what we have going on, the food pharmacy, but also nutritionstudies.org and PCRM and, and sign up for their um, newsletter so that you, you can get the latest. So when you were saying initially that you were giving your lectures and your talks, were you in a a specific physical place, someone that you might have partnered with, or was it, um, say, at your own center where you were offering these classes? Yeah, I had a dream to actually have a restaurant and a lifestyle medicine center right there where I could teach my classes. And, And that hasn't happened yet. I've been just mobile, going to people's homes, going to community centers, hospitals. Uh, my work at the center and PCRM keep me quite busy. So I would need somebody to work with me to actually manage that whole brick and mortar place to be up for that to be able to happen. Um, my, my daughter, well, my third, uh, my second daughter, third child is actually going to college this year. And she, was, she wants to go into medical school and nutrition. So maybe, maybe one day when she's done, she, we can partner up and have her center. But um, yeah, for now, I'm just mobile and uh, I work out of home uh, with, you know, for all these initiatives and thanks to the uh, Zoom and all those other things. I even teach classes remotely. Um, but in my community, yeah, there's, there's always speaking engagements. Obviously, over the past couple of years, things have been kind of uh, different. But things are starting to uh, to happen again, and I've been getting invitations, so uh, it's 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 all good. You mentioned your daughter uh, interested. Did you say she wants to go into medicine? Yes, <laughs> that's yes, beautiful. yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're all different. My oldest is a computer guy. He's he's already graduated. He's twenty five, and he works. Uh, he's a computer science. Um, and my my second child, my first daughter, is a dancer, uh, and 
So my third one wants to go into medical medical school and nutrition. She's starting this fall at University of Florida. She's Sorry. so smart and uh, she, she's been part of it since she was a baby. You know, she's been going with me and she loves to cook too. We thought she was going to be a chef at some point because she's, <laughs> oh, she cooks for us quite a bit, very creative yeah. in the kitchen. And, um, and she and her friends are plant-based as well. So she's very motivated to continue that, that, um, just that, that legacy and, and educate her patients. That's right. The legacy. That's wonderful. Okay. You've mentioned actually, now that you talk about cooking and going back to culinary medicine. So I've had Dr. Colin Zhu on the show who has a background in culinary medicine. He was able to explain a little bit about that, but I don't know too many other people that have that training. So would you like to share a little bit about that with our listeners? You're able to use culinary medicine to really tweak someone's diet um, to get them to optimal health. Yeah, I mean, you got it. That's exactly it. So it's not just teaching cooking classes, you know, just to prepare something delicious and uh, showing them techniques. So that's totally different. What we focus on uh, with culinary medicine is cooking with a purpose. So, you know, everything that we prepare, everything you eat um, works together to help heal, help to prevent different conditions. Um Herbs are magical. There's so many uh, just powerful foods in the plant-based world. And I don't really think that they are superfoods. You know, some people are like, oh, what do I eat for this, this, and that? And obviously there are foods that are very high in flavonoids and other phytonutrients. Um, the cruciferous vegetables, for instance, are oof, off the charts, as well as uh, focusing on uh, high nitrates for good cardiovascular health. So that's really what the focus on, uh, of culinary medicine is to really focus on those, those things. So if you have heart disease, obviously you're going to have to tweak um, your diet, you know, and just make sure that we, we keep the fats uh, low so that we can um, nourish that endothelial cell. We always avoid oils in all of the, the classes that we teach because it's a processed food. It's a strictly, you know, you're removing all the fiber and um, the phytonutrients from the plant and just staying with the pure fat and, and things like that. So if you're, you have diabetes, then you focus on plants first. And also you might want to look at the glycemic index of some of the foods as well. So that's where the culinary medicine component comes into. And um, even within a, a common cold, like you never, you know, there's so many things you can do to help yourself um, relieve symptoms, to be able to boost your immunity without having to take any pills or <laughs> uh, any uh, drugs. So excellent point, by the way, when you talked about these foods not necessarily being superfoods. I think when you think of someone who might consume the standard American diet, blueberries look like superfoods compared to fries. Right, fries. right. Oh, for <laughs> sure, for sure. When you're eating this way, it, it's all just wonderful. It's all beautiful. All of it is part yes, of it. Yeah, you know, all so of it, all of it. I like Dr. Greger's uh, list of of the uh, you know the the twelve the daily dozen that he shares, and I I always use it with my patients and my clients because it's a great reminder of, you know, to make sure that you eat from the four food groups and obviously berries are super nutritious and, you know, have lots of phytonutrients and antioxidants. So we want to 
eat them. So it's just a good way to reassess. I know sometimes we're busy or we're traveling. And if I don't eat my big bowls of salad and my fruits, I'm like, I'm missing something. I need to reassess, go back. And, and that's just, you know, a great tool. But I think sometimes we get lost into, especially, and I, I find that with our Latinx communities, we, we see all those commercials about the, those uh, uh, power juices or the super juice that you take in, you know, three caps a day to help get you, you know, to lose weight or to feel good or, uh, you know, reverse diabetes, whatever that might be. So that's why I was very cautious about, yeah. So for instance, goji berries are great, but they're not the magic pill if you're eating a lot of unhealthy foods as well. And by the way, I know you have so much on your plate, but is there a podcast for you in the future? I would love to have a podcast. Yeah. I have actually talked about having one, especially uh, for Spanish speaking communities as we, we have, we have a few, but I don't think we have one focused on plant-based nutrition, um, like that. So yes, I would love that. Maybe I can get some uh, ideas from you. Yeah. <laughs> um, the reason I ask about the podcast though, is when I was looking for, uh, resources for my own family, what shocked me was that I saw more in Spanish related to keto diets Mm. And you probably could uh, understand this, that many Hispanic women are into dieting and the latest fads. I've seen it mm -hmm. a lot in my own family. So maybe I should just yes. say my family, lots and lots of dieting. And then you have celebrities. And, mm -hmm. and it's also not fair because some of these celebrities can go and get liposuction and, mm -hmm. and make it look like the diet is helping. And so right. I feel like when I think of the need to support um, people who speak Spanish, I feel that uh, I I was saying the other day that I know that there are a lot of, uh, a, a lot of podcasts that cover whole foods and um, lifestyle medicine. But in Spanish, I don't mm -hmm. really know of anyone doing it. I don't know, but maybe you could be the first. <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> I, yeah. You know, I've heard some podcasts on, on vegan uh, ethics. And I know there's a few others that talk about a variety of different things sometimes touch upon, but I haven't heard any strictly on plant-based nutrition and healthy lifestyles. So yeah, maybe, maybe that's, that's the next uh, adventure. <laughs> that's the next one. And it could be, it could seem like a lot of work and it could be, but you, you can also make it simple. So I won't dwell on that part, but I was really shocked to see how many keto podcasts are available in Spanish. Um, mm -hmm. and maybe mm -hmm. I found one or two because what tends to happen too with podcasters is many people give up. They may leave their show up there with maybe five episodes or 10 and then they mm -hmm. give up and they never follow through. So, um, otherwise I would be a listener because I want right. to hear this content in Spanish too. Um, mm -hmm. so anyway, but you have so much on your plate, but you would be an <laughs> excellent, um, candidate for that so yes yeah. yes no so. believe me it has been part of the uh, trello board <laughs> i have a yes. trello board with all my, I love that. Yeah. my plans <laughs> and it has been there as well as writing a book which i kept i keep putting aside um whenever i get super busy but it's something that i've been wanting to do for a long long time so yes. hopefully after this couple projects that i have on, on the works after those start to move forward, I'll have more time for that. Is there anything else you'd like to share with my listeners? And what is the best way that they can reach out to you and learn more about you? 
Yeah, so I'm available. I'm always at uh, thefoodpharmacy.com. You can reach me there, send me a note. I'm on social media, Facebook and Instagram. And Instagram, I think, is the Food Pharmacy Kitchen. So you can reach me. And uh, you can also send us a, a message through the uh, T. Colin Campbell Center for Nutrition Studies portal. And um, we have a Spanish uh, info account. So always uh, looking for what you guys want to learn more about. And if there are certain recipes that you want to uh, want us to prepare on uh, during our lives, that would be great. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place. As you said, I have a lot on my plate, but it's, it's a plant-based plate. So it's, it's nice and, ha- and, and uh, hearty and <laughs> not too heavy. So um, always looking to connect with like-minded folks. And if you have uh, um, a conference or if you have a- any event where you want us to, to come and participate, we would love to hear about it. Okay, yes, I will keep that in mind. And I'll put all the mm-hmm. links. Um, when can we expect uh, the um, eCornell course to come out, the Spanish version? Yes. So our um, T. Colin Campbell Center for Nutrition Studies uh, and Cornell and eCornell, they have a partnership. Um, but this certificate is going to be a pr- primarily through the T. Colin Campbell Center for Nutrition Studies not in partnership with eCornell. Um, that one, uh, we should have it ready by this fall. So as soon as I have the exact date, I'll share it with you guys. But um, yeah, we're hoping to get it out before Christmas for sure. Wow, that'll be a wonderful Christmas gift to give to new, <laughs> new loved ones, like loved ones that yes. are new on board. This is a wonderful course. So Yay. Well, thank you so much. It has been so wonderful. I'm so glad that we were able to make this conversation happen. I see that you have so much to offer and you're very valuable to the community. So thank you, Dr. Capo, again for being with us. Oh, thank you so much. And and one one more note is if you have taken the plant-based nutrition certificate in English and you want to take the refresher course, you can contact us as well. Uh, we have a nice deal for our past uh, students, for our graduates. That is a great idea because, my goodness, there was so much content. So ri- I almost felt like I needed a study group to be part of uh-huh. and kind of bounce ideas <laughs> and continue the conversation. Um, excellent, excellent course. Um, my husband did it as well um, a couple of years after I did. And after you have that information, you know how to have a conversation with people as to how you know, animal agriculture affects the planet, our rivers, our waters, um, and so much more. So, so much more. All right. Dr. Couple, I do have a couple of questions because you are an expert in the kitchen. Um, I have been wanting to also find a way to bring my family on board through cooking what we like, which are more traditional Mexican dishes. Um, you have a Puerto Rican background. So I'm interested in knowing, like, have you been able to find those, um, kind of replicate the favorite meals that you used to prepare, but in a healthier and more delicious way? Absolutely. And that's where I tell everybody to start with whatever you're familiar with. And you just have to make a few tweaks, a few changes and Believe me, after a little bit, you won't even miss those things. So, for instance, for us, we make uh, arroz con andules, which is rice and pigeon peas. It's our go-to holiday dish, as well as whenever we have a party, get together. I don't know. And I I, I know pigeon peas and andules are also um, cultivated and eaten in other countries. 
But sometimes I heard that they actually feed it to the animals. <laughs> they actually don't eat them themselves, but they're delicious. And so finding ways to make rice and beans. Um, sancocho is one of my all-time favorites. It's like a root vegetable stew. And just you take out the meat, you keep the vegetables, and also add lots of fresh herbs. I also add, I, I always add cilantro, um, lots of garlic. And to give the, the, the beans that meaty taste or that smokiness, I add a little smoked paprika or liquid smoke, and that really does the trick. Um, so I have to say it's not hard at all. We make uh, for Christmas our traditional pasteles, which are the equivalent of like your tamales. And I still have some in my freezer because I, I made extras. I made it like 200 this year oh <laughs> and kind of kept them <laughs> in the freezer. Um, and you know, so going back to that, I love Mexican food. Uh, whenever we go to Mexico, uh, it's like heaven because there's so many plant-based options and everything is so fresh. Um, and so I, I feel the same when I go to Colombia, it's just going back to our roots and just tweaking, taking out some, you know, some of those animal products. It's, it's not, it's not really that hard. Mushrooms are a great substitute for meat in a lot of recipes. Jackfruit can also be used. Um, I use uh, a product called soy curls, which are dehydrated soybeans and made into strips. And I use those quite a bit because they're a little chewy. If you want to have that chewy consistency, like uh, chicken or something like that. Um, and root vegetables. So that miyame, uh, the malanga, uh, those are those are heaven. <laughs> really good. When I mentioned that I saw you in Mas Plantas, Mas Salud, it was the ceviche that got me. I saw you do a ceviche. Oh, and yes. Like, yeah, that was the first time I saw you can actually do it without fish because um, I was mainly more of a pescatarian and that was what I prepared. Ceviche was mm -hmm. my thing. Uh, then I saw you do it and I said, what? Really? That really <laughs> tastes delicious. So can you tell our listeners what you put in the ceviche? Yeah, so the first time I tried a plant-based ceviche was actually in Tulum. We were in a plant-based, um, in a vegan fast in Tulum, and they were serving uh, sprouted lentil ceviche um, over corn tortillas. And I was, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> I probably ate like 10 of those tostadas. <laughs> and it's so refreshing. It was hot. It was in the middle of the summer. Um, so you can make it with any base. You can make the ceviche with mushrooms or you can make it with sprouted lentils or you can make it um, uh, watermelon. I've seen ceviche with mango. Um, and it's just so what is it? What gives the ceviche? It's the lemon juice, like that lime or lemon juice with a little bit of vinegar. And I like to use the apple cider vinegar and then the onions, the tomatoes, um, mm. carrots and cilantro and uh what else do i add to mine um yeah i mean it's pretty it's a pretty simple combination okay. uh and just let it marinate you want to really let it marinate and and it's great like my little one is not little anymore she's 15 <laughs> but uh she's probably the pickiest of all my kids believe it or not and she's been probably since conception and <laughs> you know, all every and so she didn't she didn't want to eat sprouts but I make that ceviche with the sprouted lentils and she loves it so oh it's just finding God. a way to you know incorporate it yeah <laughs> I recently bought again I'm always looking for resources in Spanish and I recently found some kind of a little bit more like traditional 
Mexican cookbooks that are plant-based. Not always the best because they not everybody takes out the oil, but I right. I saw that you can do ceviche and I almost want to show you the books, but I don't know if you, have you gone and purchased any um, books online related to like Mexican or Latinx cookbooks? Not Mexican. Uh, I did buy, um, I, I have, a, I'm, I'm addicted to buying books. I, I can't help it. I go and I buy books and I've been trying to get them digital, but I still want to see and touch the book. So I have tons and tons yeah. and I have, I have some on tacos and, but whenever we travel, I do buy books and I did not buy, when I went to Mexico, I didn't buy any, any books. So if you have some that you recommend, I would love to, to know, even we can tweak the, yeah. the oil. I mean, that's not a problem usually. So I decided to make two ceviches from both books. Um, one okay. raw cauliflower with mm-hmm. all the ingredients and the other one had cooked cauliflower with all the ingredients. And so I made two big batches and mm-hmm. I asked my husband to, we did a tasting. And a tasting. <laughs> yeah. It turns out he likes the raw cauliflower. I like the cooked cauliflower, but <laughs> what impressed me was how delicious it was. Um, Great. So that was my first ceviche, plant-based ceviche. Okay. I haven't tried yours mm-hmm. yet. I, Cause you know, I don't always have time to cook, but anyway, I love yeah. this whole going back to the kitchen and cooking foods that would be more traditional to us. For you, if you, uh, you're the recipes that you contribute, are they Puerto Rican traditional dishes? I contribute mostly Puerto Rican, but I also, whenever I travel and I learn, like I went to Bogota, Colombia for the a whole expo that we did. And I was welcomed with a bowl of ajiaco, which is their Colombian uh, potato soup. And I was, wow, I love soup. I could eat soup every day. <laughs> Me too. And so I'm like, I need to learn how to make this. So I, I learned how to make my own version. I'm sure if uh, a native, <laughs> Bogota, you know, Bogota chefs came and said, that's not exactly, but I, I just tweaked it from what the recipes that I found. And so I shared it. I also have a vegan paella. Um, paella was my go-to when I was growing up. And every, every time we went to a, a Spanish restaurant, we'll have paella. So I wanted to have a version that was very clean. So I make mine with rice and quinoa and I put tons of different veggies and obviously the saffron. Uh-huh. I also came up with a mangu, which is uh, from the Dominican Republic. Uh, so I do a little bit, you know, from, I, I shared uh, some carnitas, uh, tacos uh, with uh, the uh, the mushrooms made carnita style. Uh, yeah, probably I think Mexican food is one of my top favorites. I really enjoy, I've, I've been to Mexico now probably 10 times in the last uh, <laughs> five years because I am so in love with the people, the food, the culture, yeah. everything. Well, this has been so much fun. Oh, was there one more question that I, I should have asked? Do, okay. do I do still practice prescribing medicine? But yeah, I think we, I think you probably covered that. Yeah, because my question on that one was, do you, and I think you kind of explained a little bit already, but I wondered if you prescribe medicine, but you said you really can't. There are some that we can, but it's very minimal <laughs> as a pharmacist for the most part. It's, yeah. it's just helping give recommendations and obviously dispensing. Um, so we're like the gatekeepers of the meds um, when, to the patient, you know, to reach the patient. Um, but I don't, I don't work behind a, a community pharmacy anymore. 
And um, I, I just help people, you know, when they're, they come to me in the community and they have all these meds, obviously we work with their physician to, to come up with the best plan to try and reduce dosing whenever they need to you know, in conjunction with their primary or their specialist. Like I always say, and I'm, obviously I don't have a background in medicine, but I always say we're not discouraging people from listening to their doctors or taking their Oh, no, no. Yeah. But we want to encourage people to see that you may have to adjust your medication as you. Improve. Yes. <laughs> and and yeah. you do most of the time. Most of the time uh, you see changes quite rapidly, especially blood pressure and especially diabetes, like their, their blood sugar starts to drop very quickly after they clean up their diet. So it's actually important to make sure that you, you work with your physician, because if you run very low blood sugars, that can also be dangerous. So to make sure that, you know, you, you monitor that, um, on a personal note, my daughter's so we all have, you know, we all talk about the genes and what genes we inherited. Two of my daughters uh, have autoimmune disorders, actually. They have the genes for it, you know. And at some point, um, my second my second daughter, she developed psoriasis. And how did we treat that and manage that? Through diet. So she tweaked her already very clean plant-based diet. Her um, dermatologist was surprised because hers was not as severe as she had seen other cases and she only had it, you know, within the lower extremities. So what she needed to do, remove gluten from her diet mm-hmm. and all any processed foods. Cause back then she was still eating some processed foods and that was it. Wow. No more psoriasis, no drugs whatsoever. Wow. And um, yeah. And so <laughs> my little one has a uh, skin lupus. Okay. And she just had like this little lesion here for a long time. I thought it was like eczema or, and so we didn't really do much about it, but I, it just bothered me that it, it was just there and it wasn't disappearing. And so we went to, again, she got diagnosed and again, her pediatric rheumatologist could not believe how mild the, her, her case was and no, nothing on the scalp nothing. And obviously we don't want it to, uh, progress into a systemic, but what did, what did we do as a family is also focus on, uh, like Brooke Goldner's plan for autoimmune, super clean diet, um, up your omega-3, uh, consumption, which is something that we thought, you know, we, we had a clean diet, but just making sure we get those anti-inflammatory omega-3s in your body, the power of the juices, like green juices or lots of green vegetables, really. That's all, all it is. So like I said, she was my picky one. And then she had to really uh, start to be more open with uh, those kind of things and flaxseed, like there's no tomorrow. Right. <laughs> so that helped. Yeah. And, and I'm assuming too you. stress management, right? Because autoimmune. Very much so. Yes. Thank you for bringing that up because that was a big factor with her was with both of them was stress, you know, teenagers and not perhaps sleeping as they should have staying up late. And so those also, besides the diet, those were the two things that they, we've been really focusing with them as well. 
Yes. And that kind of kind of reminds me going back a little bit to what you were saying that even in your own life, you've had to learn to prioritize mm -hmm. sleep and to manage stress. And when we're in this world of knowing that we're sharing resources and information that can help change people's lives, sometimes it is hard to go to sleep. And sometimes it is hard not to do too much work. Um, yeah. But I've learned the same that it doesn't matter how clean I eat. If I'm not sleeping, I'm no good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I, I you feel sleep. it. Yeah. yeah, it's like your brain can't function. I feel like this heavy, it's like a rock <laughs> yeah. in my head. It's like a big, <laughs> heavy rock. I can't really function properly. But growing up, I didn't, I didn't understand that. Uh, I grew, I came from a family of night owls, my grandmother, my mom. And it's, those are, those habits are sometimes really tough to break. So mm. it's, it's good. Better not to start. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I'm a night owl. My husband is too. He's worse though. So it's, oh. um, but it's also a time when I find that it's like I can come down off mm -hmm. in the evening. You don't have access to running errands, right? You're not everywhere. Yes. You're just at home. So it's downtime, but it might mm -hmm. last a little bit longer. But uh, yeah, <laughs> this was great. Uh, lots of information. You got me so interested in food. I'm actually, I've never done anything traditional that's Puerto Rican, like a, a, a traditional dish. So maybe I'm going to check out your recipes and try something. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I have to know what it's supposed to taste like in order for me to do a good job of replicating. So, <laughs> well, maybe I'll cook it for you one of these days. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> well, this has been wonderful. You have me very excited about food. And I hope that, you know, uh, as you're working in a future book, I hope that it comes out. Uh, soon so that I can get a copy of it because I would love to learn more from you. So thank you. Thank you, Maya. I really appreciate this opportunity to share some of my world with you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions podcast with your host, Maya Acosta. If you've enjoyed this podcast, do us a favor and share with one friend who can benefit from this episode. Feel free to leave an honest review as well at ratethispodcast.com forward slash HLS. This helps us to spread our message. And as always, thank you for being a listener. 